are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. As you might all know, right now, the Phoenix Suns are now two games away from winning the franchise's first ever championship. And I'm telling you, this is going to happen. Now, Schuster and I were talking about this the other day on Locked On, and generally, I think in game two, you kind of have a feel by where the series is going to go. At the very least, Game 3, you're probably going to have a pretty good idea. And here's what we know, I think, at this point, and it's fair to say. The Phoenix Suns are better than the Milwaukee Bucks. And when Milwaukee got off to that big early lead, you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, you know what? Suns are going to have some issues right here because, quite frankly, you're in a must-win situation here if you're the Bucks. Must-wins, maybe a little bit overplayed, but you get the point. And Giannis looked like Giannis. And you know what? Just briefly, I'm going to give Giannis a ton of credit because you know what? He came to play yesterday. Nobody else came to play, though, for the Bucks. And you know what? If you don't get contributions from Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, then you're not going to win. But here's the problem, though, that the Bucks I don't think, have any solution for. Son's got too many closers. Every time the Phoenix or every time the Bucks were about to make this one close, Phoenix stopped it. Now that could be a Chris Paul mid-range jumper, that could be a Devin Booker pull-up, that could be a Devin Booker three, or heck, that could be a Mikel Bridges. But whoever it was, the Suns always seemed to have an answer for the Bucks. And I'll ask you all this. If you watch this game right now, do you think that the Phoenix Suns are a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks, or do you think the Bucks are a better team than the Suns? The Suns just look like they are a better team, and yes, Giannis is the best player in the series, but after that, I, th- you, I think you can easily make the case that the Suns have the next three. And the problem, though, I think that the Bucks are encounter- encountering is that there is definitely a gap between what Giannis can do and what the other guys on that team can do. Now, Knowing the way that I jinx things, wouldn't surprise me at all if the Bucks came out and scored 55 points in the first quarter next game. That wouldn't surprise me. But just from a fan perspective, from a Phoenix Suns loyalist perspective, I feel very, very good about where we're at right now. I'm not going to say Suns in four because, honestly, that's already been trademarked. But I think we're pretty close to looking at this and saying, you know what, maybe Suns in five. Worst case, maybe Suns in six. But barring injury, I think the Suns have a really, really good chance here. And I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to my guy, Thomas Cena, who made a really interesting point when he texted me. He says, the Phoenix Suns, you've got Chris Paul, you've got Devin Booker, you got Aiton, they get all the love. But he says, you've got so many other guys that, depending on the situation, can really step up and can be problems for you. And he mentioned Mikel Bridges, who goes for 27 points yesterday. Now, Mikel Bridges isn't going to go for 27 points every game, but you know that he is more than capable of doing that. Then you got a Jay Crowder, kind of the same situation right there, where you look at it and you say, man, he's a guy that could go for 15, 18 if you need it, and he's played on the biggest stage. So those are two different guys, along with Cam Johnson, 
that give you that 3 and D capability that not a lot of teams right now have. And the Suns are just a they're they're well constructed, they're well built. Now, if I'm the Bucks, what I'm looking to do here, I'm looking to cause a problem with DeAndre Ayton. Because if DeAndre Ayton is out of the game, the Suns don't have a ton of bigs, they don't have a ton of options. Frank Kaminsky's not really an option, and there's a reason that Ayton played 42 minutes. Now, you don't really need Ayton to play 42, but when he's out, there's a distinct difference. So if I'm the Bucks, I'm looking to do whatever I can to get Ayton into foul trouble, because as good as DeAndre is, there's still moments where you look at it and you realize, man, he's still a young kid. He's still a guy who is going to make some mistakes. There's no doubt about it. Now, he's rapidly maturing and improving before our eyes, but there's always going to be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a gap there, especially too when you got Chris Paul and you got Devin Booker. But and I'm going to we're going to talk about Chris Paul a little bit on the other side and what exactly this means for his legacy because I've got some distinct thoughts about that and what exactly it does entail in the superficial and I guess in the real realm. But if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, though, you're probably going to be the betting favorite next game, and you should. You should be going to betonline.ag to make sure that that one happens. But if you're not the betting favorite, you can still go to betonline.ag. And we'll talk a little bit now coming up about Chris Paul and exactly what this means for his legacy. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. A reminder about Rock Auto, by the way. RockAuto.com is fantastic. You go there to get every single thing that you need. And as John Schuster has talked about, the good folks there take care of you, and they take care of you in a manner that is professional, that is very, very easy. And the great thing about them, too, is that even somebody like me is able to navigate that scene and I feel pretty comfortable about it now let's talk Chris Paul I always break down NBA basketball into two different eras there's pre-1980 and then there's post-1980 to me those are the two different ones because it's hard for me to talk about Bill Russell and to a lesser extent Wilt Chamberlain and what they would be able to do in this era I think they'd be good, but I'm also not one of these people that thinks that Bill Russell would still be able to collect 50 rebounds in a game and Will Chamberlain would score 100 points. Now, there is a little bit of crossover. You do have some guys that start in the 70s and the 80s, and when it's Kareem, when it's Moses Malone, I have no problem coupling them into the 80s as well. But to, to me, the 1980s, Magic Bird on is modern basketball. And when you look at the all-time point guard list, the first three to me are pretty easy of the modern era. Magic Johnson's the best point guard ever. And I think that there's a pretty sizable gap, maybe a more sizable gap with Magic Johnson than there is any other position on the court for any kind of rating. Magic was just that guy. Magic was a guy that, you know what, can get you 42, 15, and 7 as a rookie playing a little bit of center. I can average a triple-double. I can do basically whatever you need me to do. That's how, and he was just such a transcendent player. So he's always going to be the best point guard. Then you got Steph Curry, who, in a different way, kind of revolutionized the game. Steph is just a different cat entirely. But 
He's also not... He's closer to number three than he is number two for me. We've never seen anything like Steph. Steph is absolutely a just a game changer. Again, two-time MVP, three-time champion. He uh, he's probably going to go down as one of the 10, 12 best players ever. Steph is Steph's a lock there. Number three is Isaiah for me. Isaiah Thomas checks off pretty much every box. He dominated at an era where a lot of people were playing really good ball. He also dominated with a flair, with a pizzazz that not a lot of people saw. And he also did it with a swagger that you generally didn't see. A lot of people hate Isaiah Thomas, but to me, I'm able to separate the good from the bad when it comes to what I saw on the court. Those, to me, are the top three. After that, you got about five, six names that I think you can all throw in there. And let's go with some of the guys that are, I think, kind of the also-rans at that number four spot. You've got Gary Payton. Gary Payton, maybe the best defensive point guard of all time. Sometimes nicknames are a little bit overrated, but there's a reason they called him the glove. I'm always a little bit more partial to guys that can score, and that's why I've always kind of had him in that four realm over guys like who we're about to talk about because Gary Payton could get you 25 points. Gary Payton could also play great defense and get you eight assists at the same time. Then you've got a guy like Jason Kidd who I don't put in that quite in that league, mainly because Jason Kidd just wasn't a great scorer. And again, I'm always partial to guys that could score. He could, but until he got older, he really was not a good shooter. Great defender, great initiator, but I don't quite put him in that realm. Gary Payton, to me, was always a little bit better. Then John Stockton, who has all the numbers. I mean, he checks off every single box from a statistical perspective that you want. My only qualm with Stockton is this. Yes, he controlled a game, but I don't know that I ever necessarily feared John Stockton. He's going to get you 17 and 10, but I don't know that I feared him in the way that I feared some of these other people. Certainly not the top three on that list. And another guy, Steve Nash. The only problem with Steve Nash is his defense. Now, I think some people uh, overstate things. You get caught up in misconceptions, and you think to yourself, okay, so-and-so isn't really that good because Steve Nash's defense was an issue. And I think the Suns were in a lot of games because of Nash, and I think they also lost a lot of games. I can't tell you how many times I would watch the, uh, them play the Spurs, and again, they did get screwed in 2007. But there were also a lot of times, too, when I'd watch him go against Tony Parker, and he'd, Steve Nash would put up 30-10, and 10, and guess, guess what? He also gave up 30-15 and 15 and gave up big shots down the stretch. So, again, it kind of cancels each other out. Again, he's he's a Hall of Famer, two-time MVP. I get all that. But I'll tell you what. Chris Paul is Chris Paul has now leapfrogged all those honorable mentions that I just mentioned. Chris Paul, I believe, is now the fourth-best point guard of the modern era. Now, there are some issues with Chris Paul's resume, for sure. He's been hurt. There's no two ways about it. He gets hurt, and he's missed really valuable time, especially in the playoffs. If that hadn't happened, happened, maybe he's in the top two. Who knows? But it did. But what you're also seeing right now is, though, a fully healthy Chris Paul from the point guard position checks off basically every box. He's a leader. He's a defender. He's a guy that can cause a lot of problems on both ends of the court for an opposition. And I think that's pretty much what you're seeing right now. And what's also fascinating about Paul is kind of the way that he's transformed in a good way. 
he was always when he came into the league, he was super, super quick. He was dynamic. He could basically get by anybody that he wanted. He was that dude. He's not nearly as quick anymore. But when you watch him, the way that he can play angles, the way that he can get around his guy, or he doesn't even need a pick and roll. A lot of times he can just get into a one-on-one setting and make it happen. That's where Chris Paul is so much different than so many other guys. A lot of times when guys' athleticism leaves them, they their game takes a big fall back. And again, he's not vintage Chris Paul, but if you watch him in this Buck series, if you've watched him in this playoffs, Paul can get to wherever he wants on the court. And that's the biggest thing in the NBA. If you can get to wherever you want on the court, that's pretty much all that matters. It's just up to you to make that shot. And Paul certainly has shown that he can do that. So you get it. Paul gets a championship right here, and I would assume a finals MVP. That's kind of the one thing that's really lacking because he's got all the all NBAs. He's got the all defenses. His numbers are all going to measure up against some of the all-time greats. This is going to be kind of his crowning moment right here. And I feel pretty comfortable putting this out there. Again, I've always been a guy that has been somebody that can definitely jinx some things, but I also don't think that I'm cool enough to be able to alter the competitive landscape. So I look at it right now, and I'm feeling really good about the Suns. And we'll be back with you here on Monday to break down, hopefully, the Suns going up 3-0. But right now, Chris Paul, tip of the cap. DeAndre Ayton, keep doing what you're doing. You've been listening to Locked on Wildcats.